Eight hours and 32 minutes. That's how many daylight hours we got on Wednesday. Uh, of course, it was the uh, winter solstice, which is the official start to winter, although we've obviously had, uh, had winter for uh, a little while now as far as the weather goes. It's also the shortest day of the year as far as uh, sunlight goes as well. Eight hours and 32 minutes of sunlight means that we had uh, 15 hours and 28 minutes of darkness. And on Wednesday, if you remember, it snowed all day. So we didn't even see the sun. We just saw an overcast bunch of white coming down. So it wasn't like we got much sunshine at all. And that might sound kind of depressing, but consider what solstice looks like for people in, say, like Finland. Uh, if you're in the southern part of Finland, you will get a meager six hours of daylight. Um, and then <laughs> uh, that's two and a half uh, hours less than what, what, what we get. But then if you're in the northern part of Finland, uh, the solstice begins 54 days of what we call a polar night. And a polar night is when there's not even a bit of the sun's rays that come over on the horizon for that amount of time. And so if you're in northern Finland, starting on the winter solstice, you will not see any sunlight again for 54 days. Can you even imagine that? Now, I love winter. I love the snow. Believe it or not, I actually appreciate the cold. I would take weeks like this over 80 degrees and sweltering and humid any day. Uh, I guess uh, I was born to be a, a Minnesotan. But the hardest part of winter for me <clears throat> really is the lack of, of daylight, uh, combined with the fact that most days are, are overcast. We don't get a whole lot of sunny days in the winter. Uh, it's really pretty depressing. And so I, I try to find ways in which I can uh, substitute sunlight to help me sort of cope. So I take like vitamin D supplements every so often. I might have to do some uh, artificial light therapy stuff just to get my brain to uh, get back in the groove of, of being uh, in, a, in a sunny uh, place. Uh, seasonal affective disorder is a real thing. Uh, living in a place like Minnesota can be really a, a dreary uh, type of, of, of uh, a few months. But even more depressing is the fact that even though some of us might be suffering from seasonal affective disorder, many of us here are entering into this season of light that we are, uh, that's going to be coming to a close here today in a perpetual state of the solstice of the soul. It's not as though we're so mentally depressed as though, though that might be a result, but it's, it's more so that many of us are are spiritually depressed. Many of us are struggling. We're, we're beset by sins. We're, uh, we're in relationships that are in shambles. We've been, we've been victimized. We've, uh, we're weary from a culture that is, that is confusing and weird. Uh, we don't know what tomorrow is going to, to bring. We lack hope and direction. We're lost in life. And for many of us, we feel like we are uh, walking through an unfamiliar room that is pitch dark and we don't have a flashlight. But in our text this morning, we find that at Christmas, the Lord opened up 
the, the shutters and the shades and let the light enter in. In the coming of Jesus, we no longer have to walk in the darkness of night, of sin and struggle. In Luke 1, the angel Gabriel comes to a man named Zechariah. He's a well-respected priest. He is married to a woman that is from the, uh, the lineage of, of priests. They're very, very well-respected within the community of, of Israel. Uh, they are both in their later years in, in life. They have uh, and enjoy a, a great reputation for being uh, really good people in the community. However, they were never able to have children. And this would have seemed very strange and confusing to the community because at that time, infertility was associated with a curse from God. So how could this wonderful, godly, popular couple in Jerusalem not have any children. It was embarrassing and shameful, but yet they, they kept plugging along, trusting in faith, trusting in the Lord. And so one day this angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and tells him that Elizabeth, his wife, who undoubtedly had already gone through menopause, and, and this thought of having a child was already beyond them. They're not even thinking about this anymore. He says to him, Elizabeth is going to become pregnant. She's going to bear a son, and, and Zechariah, you're going to name him John. This boy is going to prepare the way for the Lord to visit his, his people. And if you hadn't read the spoilers yet, you can guess Zechariah's response. Yeah, right. Give me a break. Who are, what kind of angel are you to come and tell me, someone that has had the pain of this infertility for so long, along with my wife, that you're going to tell us now at this age that we are actually going to have a child? But for his unbelief, the angel struck him mute for the 40 weeks of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Finally, when the baby was born and the time to came, came to name him, Zechariah's tongue was loosened up and he named the boy John and then he uttered some of the most poetic and yet some of the most prophetic things recorded in scriptures. And so the one that we're going to take a few minutes just to look at today is found at the end of his prophecy in verses 78 and 79 of chapter 1 in Luke. This is what Zechariah says he says because of our god's merciful compassion the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace so i only have one uh point uh today and that is that we need to see that god's compassion is the basis for his redemptive work. God's compassion is the basis for his redemptive work. To get the full sense of what Zechariah is 
saying here. We need to back up just a couple verses. So look with me in verse 76, if you will. He turns from this amazing proclamation of the goodness of God, and now he addresses his baby boy, John. And he says, And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. So in that one sentence, notice that Zechariah summarizes the entirety of John the Baptist's mission and ministry. He is the final prophet of God. After him, there are no more prophets. All the prophets that had come were leading up to him. And he, his task was obviously to clear the road for the Lord. It's as if he is the one that goes before a great king and clears the highway for them and says, Hear ye, hear ye, make room for the king so that everybody can get to the side of the road and let the king come in. And in doing so, his job is to proclaim the good news of the salvation that comes with this king through the forgiveness of sins. Every Jew in John's time would have known that there is absolutely no forgiveness outside of God. And so the implication here is that whatever the identity of this man that John is preparing the way for is himself the fullness of God. God in the flesh. And now in verse 78, Zechariah tells us the reason that the Lord will come to bring salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Notice he says, because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So if you read that right, we see that it is God's compassion that characterizes everything that God does. It is his compassion that compels him to send John to prepare the way. It is his compassion to even send the Messiah, who is the Redeemer. His compassion is, uh, is the qualification for his salvation and his forgiveness. So notice here that Zechariah is already preaching the gospel even before Jesus is born. God is coming Salvation and forgiveness is not granted in anything that you and I can do. It is not granted in anything that we are. It is not granted in any uh, lineage that we come from. Salvation comes and is granted only because God is compassionate on us. The words merciful and compassionate, they really go well together. Merciful in, this, in, in the word that uh, is used here literally means to show kindness or concern for someone in serious need. So when we take that definition, we, we see the image of God looking down in love on his creation and sees how sin has severely ravaged life here on earth. He has seen how we are hurt 
and how we have hurt others. He sees the, uh, the implications of what happens after we say the words that we do and our actions that we do, our lives, our relationships show it. Creation shows it. Sin has devastated the human race and our world. And compassion here is the feeling or the emotion that lies behind that mercy that he has. The word, okay, the word literally means bowels, okay? It's a little weird. Uh, compassion sounds better uh, than bowels, but it's certainly more graphic. Think about it. When someone that you love is in trouble or hurting, where do you feel it? gut, right? It hurts to see someone you love struggling. Some of us have had situations in which our compassion is so strong on people that we actually get physically ill. It happens. So the word here is literally bowels, but it's a manifestation of God's compassion. And it's because of God's merciful compassion that the dawn from on high will visit us. And I don't know if you've ever intentionally gotten up uh, early in the morning specifically to watch a sunrise. But it can be absolutely breathtaking. It's, there's this moment when everything is dark. And you can't see anything. And then, like that, everything just sort of gets a glow to it. What you couldn't see just a second ago, all of a sudden, now you see. You can find your way. You understand where things are going. You can navigate uh, life and, and, and your walk. Everything now is in full color. And HD, the sun itself hasn't even shown up yet. It's just the, the brilliance of the radiance of those rays just starting to come over. It's called the dawn of the day. And if you are in the right place to see this, it is absolutely beautiful and breathtaking. And when Zechariah said that God's merciful compassion will visit us from on high, he was saying that the dawn of God is coming in Jesus Christ. That little bit of sun ray is coming over the horizon at Christmas. Jesus is God's merciful compassion to us. Jesus is the entire compassionate plan of God from the foundation of the world to redeem us from our sins and to bring us back into right relationship with him. Zechariah was saying that this one uh, who was his son would point to the same one that Isaiah was pointing to in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 when he said that the people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Now I'm willing to bet that some of you here today feel like you're walking in the dark. Life makes no sense. You're just trying to get through. Today is a struggle. You assume tomorrow will be a struggle. 
You feel lost, you feel hurt, you feel confused. You may even feel like you have screwed things up beyond repair and that there's no hope for whatever situation you've gotten yourself into. You need to internalize the fact that at Christmas, God opened up the curtain for you because of his merciful compassion. Let me say that slower and in a different way. God is not done with you. God has not given up on you. God is not disgusted by your actions of the past. When God looks at you, he does so with merciful, compassionate eyes. And on Christmas... He acted on that mercy and compassion by sending his son to take on flesh. In Jesus, we have the one who is truly God and truly man given for us. In Jesus, we have one who is able to meet us right where, right where we're at and at the same time be the one who went to battle for us. It was on the cross that he took the full brunt of everything that we have ever thought, said, and done. That is against God's will and against God's way. It is in Jesus that we find redemption and new life. It is in Jesus that the lights of the dawn will illuminate our hearts and we can finally see life as we've never seen it before. We're no longer blind. In Jesus, we can have relief from those things that we're in bondage to. In Jesus, we can have purpose. We can have hope and meaning and understand life as it was meant to be. This salvation, this redemption is only possible and free because of God's merciful compassion on us. At Christmas, this merciful compassion was born. And he is completely yours, the Bible tells us, by God's grace through faith. So trust in him, and the dawn from on high will visit you now and forever. Let's pray.